the Mile High Podcast Reviews. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Mile High Podcast Reviews. I'm your host, Dave, coming to you from the Smoke Shack here in Denver, Colorado. Hope you guys are having a safe and wonderful holiday season, and thank you so much for listening tonight. Tonight's episode is going to be all about the Martin Scorsese mobster epic, The Irishman, that was released on Netflix on November 1st. First thing I want to say about this movie is that it is a very, very good movie. Especially if you like mobster movies, this is definitely a must-see for you. I need you also to know that this is a three and a half hour long movie. And if you don't go into it knowing that it's three and a half hours long, you're going to be wondering like, what the fuck is going on? This movie just does not end. Uh, That is actually what happened to me the first time. Uh, I did not realize it was three and a half hours. And I was watching this movie and I was bobbing for apples. It had been a long day. And I paused it to see how much time I had left. And after an hour and a half, I still had two hours to go. And I was done for the night. Um, I went back and I watched it over a couple more settings. Uh, Finally finished it last night. Uh, I'm super impressed with this movie. I really did enjoy it. Uh, But you have to know this is a serious time investment. Uh, Definitely break it up into sections. I know Martin Scorsese would rather you sit on your ass for three and a half hours and watch it from beginning to end. Uh, But fucking nobody has time for that shit. So break it up. Uh, But it is a very good movie. Definitely worth the time investment. Uh, This movie, like I said, is directed by Martin Scorsese, and uh, Martin Scorsese had a little bit of a uh, kerfuffle over the last couple months. He came out and said that uh, Avengers movies, Marvel movies, and comic book movies in general weren't real cinema, and on top of that, they were clogging up theaters so new and upcoming directors weren't able to get their new films into the theaters. Uh, And... I can kind of see where he's coming from in that regard. Uh, I'm a creator myself, and I definitely would love the major studios like the Disneys and the Universals, uh, Warner Brothers, to start investing into new and original ideas versus clogging up the theaters with more sequels, reboots, and comic book movies. Uh, With that said, um, I don't necessarily agree with Martin Scorsese when he's talking about comic movies not being cinema. Um, It may not be artistic cinema like he produces, uh, but it is cinema. There is a lot of art, and Kevin Feige, who is the the mastermind behind the entire uh, MCU, that guy is a true legitimate auteur. He took this general idea based off of one comic book movie, and he expanded it over 10 years, 23-something movies. Um, I mean, that is art. You know, I believe Kevin Feige, Jon Favreau, those are legitimate artists. So even though their art is in comic book movies, it's every bit as entertaining and fun to watch as, say, The Irishman. Um, More so, uh, when you watch Avengers Endgame, Avengers Endgame is three hours long, but it feels like two hours. You watch The Irishman, and it's three and a half hours long, and it feels every minute of that three and a half hours. So, uh, you know, so I kind of wanted to talk a little bit about Martin Scorsese and uh, his little uh, his little bit of press over the last couple months. But with that said, he really did make a mobster masterpiece when he created The Irishman. The Irishman follows a. Uh, a small-time hood named Frank Sheeran as he uh, 
is out of World War II. He's a, a low-level hood where he uh, delivers meat to mobsters and uh, he steals hunks of meat from one company, sells it to mobsters, and uh, that's kind of how he got his crime life started. And when he gets arrested, when he's in, a little bit younger, and by the way, full disclosure, um, Frank Sheeran, played by Robert De Niro, when he goes back to when he first started out, uh, Martin Scorsese de-ages him, so he looks like he's probably about you know 35, 40 years old. Kind of interesting how he did that. So, all right, back to the review. So uh, Frank Sheeran. Uh, gets arrested by the police. He doesn't roll on any of his mobster connections, and that sends a signal to the mobster of the Philadelphia crime family, uh, played by uh, Joe Pesci, named Russell Buffalino. Uh, Russell Buffalino, uh, I fucking first of all, I love that name. It's, you know, it makes you really sound Italian. Eh? Russell Buffalino, uh, really fucking sounds Italian. Uh, Russell Buffalino, played by Joe Pesci was a, a great character um and when uh, frank sheeran doesn't roll over on any of the mobsters he tells the the heads of the mob family like this guy can be trusted we can start giving this guy some more business um and then you follow frank as he starts off with the mob and then uh, he eventually rises to the upper ranks of this philadelphia crime family to where he's the top hitman in the family as well as he becomes the uh personal bodyguard of Jimmy Hoffa. So the first third of this movie is all about uh, Frank Sheeran coming up through the the Philadelphia crime scene, uh, and then it turns more into a Jimmy Hoffa story. Jimmy Hoffa is played by Al Pacino, and if you don't know a lot about Jimmy Hoffa, uh, he was a very polarizing political figure in the late 50s and early 60s. He was the head of the Labor Teamsters Union, and he also had very well-known mobster ties. Uh, he used the Teamster Union to launder mobster money, and then he also used uh, the pension fund from the Teamster Pension Fund to help uh, supply money for like casinos to the mob family, uh, other businesses, and then they would go back and launder the money. So uh, Jimmy Hoffa was very well connected in mobster circles, and he's also well protected by them so if any other uh, aspiring union boss were to trying to uh, compete with Jimmy Hoffa for control of the Teamsters Union that threat was eliminated by the Mafia so he ruled by fear uh, he was a very cruel person he definitely let power get to his head uh, and he made a lot of enemies along the way that's why the Mafia put their top hitman as a bodyguard for uh, Jimmy Hoffa uh, along the way, Jimmy Hoffa gets arrested and sent to jail for jury tampering. Uh, he loses his power. Uh, he's eventually pardoned by Richard Nixon, which w was something that blew my mind. Uh, this guy, who is so well known to be connected to the mafia, was thereby pardoned by uh, Richard Nixon. I thought that was uh, kind of an interesting fact that I learned. Um, but once he gets out of prison, Jimmy Hoffa is trying to regain that power. Uh, but the mobsters already have uh, new leaders that they're working with. And so Jimmy Hoffa has gone from being an asset to being a problem. Uh, Russell Buffalino, hey, Russell Buffalino, uh, he warns 
Jimmy Hoffa to like keep his distance, that his time has come and gone to just retire. But Jimmy Hoffa, he's super fucking, he's addicted to power and he wants to get back into leading the union. Um, and so eventually comes to a head where uh, the Buffalino crime family had to make a decision to take Jimmy Hoffa out. And uh, one of America's great folklores is what happened to Jimmy Hoffa. Uh, some folks thought that he was um, encased in concrete at the Meadowlands, which is in New York, or he was buried somewhere in Detroit. Well, according to this movie, he was uh, taken to a house and unceremoniously shot in the back of the head, and then his body was cremated. So maybe not the most... Uh, like not a great way to go by any means but definitely not the uh um the theories that they've had in the past of like you know he was buried in the meadowlands i think actually when they were tearing down the meadowlands they were searching for jimmy hoffa's body which is uh kind of weird to think especially if they would have read the book that this movie is based off of it's called uh um i heard you paint houses um you've you'll know that he's just shot and then cremated shortly after. So nothing really uh, much to happen to him. He turned into ash. So that kind of solves that Jimmy Hoffa mystery. Um, but then the mobsters age out and they get arrested and go to jail. A lot of the mobsters start dying in jail. And eventually uh, Frank is the only person left and he spends the remainder of his days in a nursing home trying to seek forgiveness also trying to reconnect with the family that he's lost along the way. So uh, that was a fairly short synopsis of a three and a half hour movie. There, I, I just don't have the time to get into the, all the nitty gritty about this movie. Uh, there's some great stuff that uh, really stood out, uh, really stood out for me. First, you know, it was beautifully shot. Uh, Martin Scorsese is has a really beautiful Artur vision and. Uh, the way that he's able to use frame rates in this movie is pretty exceptional. Uh, there's a few scenes where there's a lot of actioning happening, or a lot of action happening all at once, and then he slows down the frame, and then he really focuses in on the action. So uh, you have this chaos going on, but it's beautiful, it's sharp, it's bright, and it's going slowly in front of you. It really is pretty incredible, I have, and I have not seen that particular technique in any other movie, so I thought that really stood out to me. Um, another thing that I really liked, and I wish more movies would do this, especially like mobster movies or movies that have a lot of uh, other characters like on the periphery, is that whenever you are introduced to a new character, um, the frame would shot or stop, um, and then Scorsese would put a little caption down below talking about who this character is, what that character does, and if that character made an untimely demise, when and how that person died. So I really enjoyed that because um, you, you meet a lot of characters in this movie that are all intertwined and you don't really know how. And then with these little captions, that little helps you kind of uh, put the pieces back together. Um, the acting in this movie was really, really great. Um, Robert De Niro was fantastic, and it was really interesting to see how he went from the de-aged Robert De Niro to the geriatric Robert De Niro, which is kind of closer to where he is right now. Um, he really did a great job. Al Pacino always does a great job. Um, 
he wasn't really Jimmy Hoffa. And if you Google Jimmy Hoffa speeches, um, Al Pacino, he plays Al Pacino in Jimmy Hoffa wig, but he doesn't really do a Jimmy Hoffa. But he his performance is still fantastic. But the best thing about this movie was Joe Pesci as the Robert Buffalino. Uh, fucking Joe Pesci was so great. Uh, he's been semi-retired for a number of years. This is the first movie that he's come back to. Uh, Martin Scorsese uh, begged and pleaded for him to come out. And he really fucking knocked this out of the park. Uh, he was able to convey a lot of different emotions. Um, he's empathetic, which a lot of mob movies you don't feel a lot of empathy for. Um, he can go from looking like someone who is on the, the verge of dementia to somebody who's quick and sharp and business-like, professional. Um, also a little evil on, on one regard. So I think Joe Pesci just really did a great job. And if he doesn't get a supporting actor nomination off of this movie, then I think it's going to uh, be kind of ridiculous. He did a great fucking job. Um, so what are some of the things that I didn't care for so much? The time, man. Really, it's the time. There was a lot of uh, a lot of downtime during the course of the movie where you're learning about the politics of the Teamster Union and shit. Like, you can probably lop out and save a half hour to an hour of this movie just by taking out some of this um, stuff about the Teamster Unions and then um, the political power and the political um, strife around the unions. I, that stuff didn't really interest me. Or didn't really interest me, but it doesn't really detract from the movie. It, and it, if you're considering this as a mobster epic, then you know I understand Martin Scorsese's thought to put it in. Uh, but if you wanted to make it a little bit shorter movie, uh, I definitely would take it out the political implications of the Teamsters Union in the 1950s. Um, and like I said, the Avengers movie, uh, Avengers Endgame really felt like a two-hour movie wrapped into a three-hour box where this is kind of the opposite where it felt three and a half hours it felt maybe longer um and trying to keep sharp the whole time i have a tendency i have really bad adhd all right so when i watch this movie i have my i can't keep focus on a movie like this for that long so i start to lose myself i like start pull out my phone, I start, you know, Facebooking and doing Instagram and all that shit. And then I have to like, what the fuck just happened? So I'll, I'll have to stop, go back a couple of minutes and just kind of get caught back up. And, and I did this a lot. And even last night when I was finishing up, uh, it was hard to keep focused on the movie. And then when it was done, I was like, thank God this movie's fucking over. And then I reflected and I was like, this movie's really fucking good. It just, it feels so long. All right. It, this is definitely one of my top five favorite movies of the year. Uh, James, Nancy, Chris, and I, we're going to have a couple of our best of episodes coming up on the 21st and 28th of this month. Uh, we're going to do our best of the year, best of the decade. Um, and I would definitely say that this movie is probably one of the top five movies I've seen this year. Um, I, oddly enough, it's not... Uh, better than Avengers Endgame, which Martin Scorsese doesn't consider to be cinema. But uh, it's still a very good fucking movie. Um, break it into pieces. That's the the best thing I would do if I were you. So, in a nutshell, that was The Irishman. That was three and a half hours of The Irishman and my 15-minute review all wrapped up into a nutshell. 
Uh, got some really cool stuff coming out. Uh, James and I are going to the As I Lay Dying and After the Burial Show tomorrow. Uh, we have some fun stuff planned around that. Um, last night we uh, planned out our first half of season two. Uh, we get that started on January 17th with Hollywood Tony P. So we're excited to get that rolling. Uh, we also have some real cool projects. Uh, James is coming out with a uh, Disney Afternoons uh, recap show. Uh, I'm coming out with the dive bar with Chris Pace. Uh, we just have some real cool stuff coming through. Uh, James is also uh, remodeling the uh, studio so we can get some video in there. So we're going to start doing a lot of video. So we got some real cool stuff coming. So uh, stay tuned, definitely. Uh, thank you guys so much for uh, listening tonight. I hope you have a great night. And if you uh, want to get in touch with me, you can go to the Podcast at gmail.com. All right. Have a good night, yo. Thank you for listening to the Mile High Podcast Reviews. For comments or sponsorship inquiries, please contact us at themilehighpodcast at gmail.com. That is themilehighpodcast at gmail.com.